Welcome to 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade, a retrospective. Presented to you by UtilityMuffinLabs.com. Welcome to another edition of 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade. I'm Nathan. And I am Bob. And today we're going to be doing a twofer, mostly because I feel like neither of them require their entire podcast. They don't. So we're uh, re- recommending, not at all that, we're reviewing The Prince's Primer, uh, an interesting sort of uh, little addition to the Vampire the Masquerade main line. It's like a little tiny Vampire the Masquerade book. It's like a smaller version. Uh, it's because it's a it's a standard Vampire the Masquerade source book, but also it's a Mind's Eye theater book. So, and relevance there, that's the big catch, right? Mm-hmm. This book ramps up the laws of the night, which isn't out yet, as this book is there to be the interim, like what's your whistle, because they need storytellers to portray a hierarchy correctly, and it starts with the princedom, and they need players who most likely will be a prince or a member of these uh, August organizations, and they need you to fill those roles out in a live-action setting. And I know before I said this book really doesn't help you be a prince. It's a personal preference. Some of you may have some enlightening whatever, but it's basically... A series of fiction, it's all fiction, but it's a series of uh, letters and whatnot from mostly not princes, ironically. Uh, Some princes have these in their collection, but I didn't find a story that was written by a prince, blah, 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 as much as it was people who may have gotten their prince thumbs, because they mentioned noteworthy princes in the back of this book, right? um, that may or may have not used this to help them get where they are. Yeah, it is. It's got uh, so it is not a like a followable story, right? It is uh, a bunch of artwork, and then it is a series of s- short uh, uh, essays and uh, like personal uh, ob- observations, uh, analysis, and letters. So it's it's got a lot of cool little props and things that are are sort of scattered throughout the book. It will tell you if you're somebody who doesn't have fuck all of a clue as to how a prince might act or might get the hold of a city or if you don't understand why a prince is powerful or you need to be powerful to be a prince this will fill you in because it gives more than a gist there is a seneschal rendition from a Tremere perspective of exactly what you need to hold down a domain before that there's another rendition who i assume it's a it's a legal team mm-hmm. that a prince has <laughs> under his belt that does an assessment of the media, the police, the relevance of the Tordor, the importance of the Nosferatu, um, on down on their impact to a domain and why you need them in his domain. But why I say this doesn't really help you be a prince, which is more importantly, is because this is not a how-to book. No. It is what they did and what they do. Right. In those scenarios. So I need to make that distinction because I still stand by my opinion Mm -hmm. and that this is a collection of it, but it's not going to give you the keys uh, to praxis or the right to rule right. as princes know it. And by the way, only princes know that term. So if you didn't, still got a lot of learning to do. But the point is, it's in here uh, to note that to get you started, get your brain thinking. Right. Uh, it's uh, It does have some cool things that for, for people who are into this game and want to know the minutia, the little the letters and conversations and the back and forths, that's what this is great for. Um it's it's a little strange to me that it's sort of presented as a live action book. Like the the big thing with the live action book is the live action books in general is that they're created as a size where 
you can fit it in your pocket. You can, you know, easily yep. carry it with you. However, um, I don't really know or understand the purpose of this. I don't know if this was designed to be like, hey, this is an in-character prop and you have access to all this information. It's an in-character prop. It's written like that. You could take it that way. And why I like it that way is because there's a excerpt from an Archon, or excuse me, Anarch, who is this famous Anarch, and he's like, KL, who gives a shit that he gives himself a name for, where he knows the ins and outs of what it is to be a prince, and this is what it takes. And he basically gives some cheeky, tongue and bullshit about every single clan. Mm -hmm. I always take it that way because those people end up being those who die. <laughs> they're always the ones who die. That they, just, they're there, the scared they want to play, and inevitably, you piss off. And he, he even tells you, Right. That at the end of it, he uses uh, you're pig, pig you're, Latin. You're talking about the manifesto on becoming prince? Yes. It's like the very first one where he just kicks off and he's talking about all that nonsense. Oh, that's that. The manifesto is like towards the end, but yeah. The manifesto is the Bruja one, right? Where it's like an anarch thing. Uh, the manifesto on becoming prince, they go over all the different clans, and um, but, but they don't say who wrote it. It's just a friend. When you get to the prince, mm -hmm. they reference that as he's the one who used that manifesto to get to where he is. Right. And he's in the back, and it's the noteworthy Bruja that's in there. The What I'm talking about is where this, it's clearly a Malkavian who wrote it. Mm -hmm. And uh, and how you know it? Because he's always talking, when he talks about Malkavians, he calls them kooks, and they're dangerous, and if you don't think they are, shame on you. And uses cutesy humor, and then at the end uses Pig Latin to, to write an elder. Yes, at the end of it uses Pig Latin uh, to write uh, a message to the elders who will get a hold of this manuscript that basically says, neener, 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 now we all know the secrets to how you maintain power. Right. And I'm like, well, that's cute. That's cool. This is First Ed. This is my least favorite part about First Ed, to be honest. Like, I read this, and this is up there with one of those books that I think completely mislead players into believing, now I know every prince by clan. Right. If it's a Malkavian prince, he's going to favor Malkavians, and, and, and he's going to have something up his sleeve to control the domain. And it's like... Or he's a prince, and they all do that. Right. It's yeah. I mean, it it it's great for you as a player to read through and go, man, this is all really interesting flavor, and these are little tidbits that I can put into my arsenal or not. Um, but it's by no means like the the it's not the pathway to attaining princedom. It's some people's. It's some powerful kindreds, perhaps. Um, but you know, also. Not so much, because some of the princes mentioned in here are dead. Yep. They even have a prince. Here's the craziness that was going on in First Ed. And uh, the, they have a prince, Lord Magnus, who wears a big murder cloak. And no one knows what city he has or where he's at. But allegedly, Tordor and Malkavians made him up. Tordor, <laughs> Tordor Harpies and Malkavians made him up as a prank to get at other princes. To fool people. To trick people. And if you're v20 fans and you're listening to this you're you're like well that's debunked no problem by any competent player anywhere like if you're a prince you're seen you're known and this book kind of highlights no you're not because the princes don't tell you how they got to where they are because they want to maintain power i'm not going to tell you how i got to be king i'm simply king and you deal also i'm immortal i don't want you coming up the way i did and challenging my authority wouldn't does that make sense mm -hmm. Right. So in here, it's basically people giving ideas and criticisms of what it is to be a prince without being a prince. Now, why I state that guy specifically, this book pissed me off when I spent money on it. And but you understand my mindset when I bought it. Right. I was an individual who said, I'm storytelling a game with a prince. And I believe I know how princes run on all the material I read, all the books I collected 
up to this point, I've been, yeah, I definitely get what a prince is. The book's titled Prince's Primer, and they knew nobody has a clue about how what they meant to rule right. as a prince. Is a prince a king? Is he the vampire king? What is it, you know, politically? And they kind of give you ideas, but then you hear about the Sabbat, who at this point are still these creepy religious boogeymen. Right. And you have no comparison of power. This book, I bought it, and I was like, finally, I'll get to read it, have more than understanding, and this will prepare me. And all it did was give me more questions. I'm looking up people that I can't find in any book. (laughs) You know what I mean? I'm trying to find names of who wrote this to get an idea of who they are. And really, and they say in the beginning, which utterly pissed me off, that, hey, this book could be used as a prop. It could be used as a series of things that someone might find. You can kind of, someone can get in trouble for writing it. And I was like, oh, man, years later, 20 plus years later or whatever, here I am looking at it going, you know, this is insightful if you're in the dark Mm -hmm. about what it may be that an elder would look for in a city. Right. Right. That's that's the important thing that you you want to realize right away before looking at this book, that this is a great piece to add to your collection for the little, you know, exactly what they call it. The the educational, perhaps the ruminations, the recollections, the flavor of this game. It's great for that. It's great to read those little letters and and see all the beautiful artwork and the little uh, printing, uh, you know, little tricks that they add in there, the little invitations, the memos, you know, it's it's for the time that it, it came out, it's printed beautifully. I mean, it's a well-made book, but, you know, as they say in the very introduction, it's not meant to be a blueprint for becoming prince, nor is it the end-all, be-all of kindred political thought on princedom. So if you're me, right there, crush the purpose of me buying the book. Right. Right? However, hindsight being what it is, I can get behind owning it because I will absolutely tell you there are other books they make that, that do make this irrelevant. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for one being Council of Primogen. Right. Outline a massive way or Guide to the Camarilla. Right. Really gets in depth about what it takes. That's the blueprint. Right. That's the book you want to own if you're looking for that as well. But this book gives you the canon mentality of how the company viewed the world that they made right. and how they're going to think and go because... Again, no prince wrote it, right? These are excerpts of people saying how they got there or writing to a prince or what have you to know how a prince is treated. Right. And what you should get from this book is that a prince is vampiric royalty. They are the end-all be-all of the first tradition and of the right of destruction in their given domain. And when you read this, it tells you only a weak prince is puppeted by his primogen and only weak primogen are controlled by its prince. That is the most important thing out of this book Maybe I ruined you <laughs> getting it for that, but it is because they go over it. A lot of people think the prince is something you want. Right. Sure. If you if you want to battle the elders in your city politically with a smile every night over the right to control your own demence and to police it accordingly and to have to know the ins and outs of politics and to, and to verbally duel them and to court favor and lose favor with the harpy and to, to, to worry about having the sheriff knock on your door. Sure. Princedom's for you. That's if, assuming you're a badass. If you're not, and the primogen are pushing you to get princedom because they know they could puppet you, do you want to work for a council of primogen forever? Right. Do you you want to sit in the position of prince and forever be puppeted, uh, never truly having power? So here's what I'll say. My opinion of this book is this is a great book to have on your coffee table. Right, it's a beautifully made book with a great deal of artwork, and I'm a sucker for different styles of font 
and all of that fun stuff. That's what I'm a sucker for. So this is great for you if you are a completionist. It is great for you if you want to, if some one of your friends say, they go, hey, you know what? I've heard of this vampire game, but I don't really understand it. Can you give me some simple flavor? Sure, hand them this. Have them right. take a look at it. You know, it gives you enough information to wet your whistle, to make you, you know, interested, to draw you in, but it doesn't give you real information. It doesn't, it's not, it's hard to say whether or not it will help to, you know, make your game more fun. It could. If you don't understand the thought processes, if you haven't read enough of the books, this is great. If you want to use it as a game prop, sure, you're the Ventrue and you're the political uh, ideologue. Sure, that's great. But it's good to have on your bookshelf to complete your set. You, that's, uh, that's what I would say. I, don't don't bother. As We're going to put a link up, and this may be contradictory. We're going to put a link up for where you can purchase this. But don't bother with the PDF. The, the, the joy of this book is its size, its internal workings, its pictures, and its layout. Buying it as a PDF, you might as well save yourself six bucks. Unless you're going to walk around with a tablet. <laughs> right. And ready to, you know what I mean? That's that's what it comes from. Right. And I, can't, I couldn't agree more. I really have nothing else to say about that. So that's the Prince's Primer. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it. We'll see you next week. No, just kidding. <laughs> uh, the next book that we have to review and the meat and potatoes of this particular podcast is Blood and Fire, Giovanni Chronicles 2 by Black Dog Game Factory for adults only. Uh, and much like the first Giovanni Chronicles, it's adults only because it's meant to be a mature game, not necessarily you know, the savage uh, blood, guts, and gore of what you'd come to imagine Black Dog is all about, but the, the very adult, mature players only. And um, so initial thoughts about this book. Um, now we know it's meant to be a continuation of the events that happened in Giovanni Chronicles 1. By now your players were embraced. Right. Right. They survived the founders being formed and the Cappadocian Antiluvian was diabolized by Ambergino Giovanni. That goes through. And this is 200 years after that point. Right. Which means your players are still around 200 years. By the way, if they're from the previous Chronicle, give them 20 freebie points. Mm, maybe even 25. It's up to you. Yeah. Two centuries and you get. Yeah. I think it's 30, but either way. It's 20 it's, or 30, either it's way. It's a drop it's, in a bucket. Okay. Yeah. What, what have you been doing for 200 years, Torpor? Apparently, uh, apparently something very, very easy. So, again, I'm making fun of it because this is not a Chronicle-based thing. If you're going to run the Giovanni Chronicles, you should have, and you're going to use the characters, all four books, That that's it. That's all you're going to play it for. That's the end of your story. It tells a story with those characters in mind at those power levels is the point. Right. Don't go outside of the formula they give you because this is what I like to call splat book. You know? Uh, splat books are meaning they're not hardcover, but I call them that too because uh, that's what the noise they make when they hit the trash can. And I throw them in <laughs> is splat because I hate modules, and all this is an extended module. I that, think I think we both have fully extended uh, to our listeners our general distaste for module based gaming. Now that said, does this have an impact on the world of darkness? Yes, we know Cappadocian canon was ate by Ambrogino Giovanni. Um, and I got that wrong. Augustus, no, uh, uh, Augustus, Augustus Giovanni. Yes. Sorry about that. My bad. Um, but uh, Augustus eats him. Yum. And then that's the case. This is 200 years after the fact. And oh, man, 
the Giovanni realized we we don't have all his paperwork. Right. His we, paperwork's missing. We need we need those books that that were so important. And to Brugino his works. is right. the poor bastard who saddled with finding all those good works that are spread across the world. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're me and you're not, but right. if you were, you would go. Why the hell didn't the Antediluvian have them? Right. If he needed them to do something important and epic, why weren't they with him? Right. It, it seems convenient to me that those works were somehow taken. And so apparently, you know, reading the beginning of this book, the founders were aware of this material. And because none of them trusted each other to have access to this material, they then spread it out across the world. The very important articles being hid in the Vatican being hid in the most holy of sites that, you know, the modern, quote-unquote modern for this time, vampire would never be able to go. I know what you're thinking. I could see it inside your heart. I know it. <laughs> and I'm going to help you. Kamakli. I know. I can hear you saying it. Bob, Kamakli. That's the cave that Cappadocian himself sealed his clan in. Right, but that's not... And it's it's not it's not here yet, right? Right, it's right. That's what you're thinking. Right, right. They didn't write that yet. But, but they did. They knew they were going to write it. They, I mean, they knew. It's not like the Cappadocian clan book is ancient mm-hmm. according or comes out years later. Right. It's around the corner. This is written to tell you that somehow I'm just I'm just power level. Cappadocius is the antediluvian that summons all the useless Jovan or excuse me, uh, Cappadocians as he calls them and says, Come to the cave for a meeting. And when they go into a cave, he levies a curse that's easy to him. That is as powerful as the curse that was put on Cain in the first place. (laughs) That's as they write it. They can't leave. It's a roach motel. Right. Well, I mean, maybe it's Cain, you know, that's what it was. It was straight up. Right. We, 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 we know, we know, but yes. So the sudden you flip around and you go now. Okay. None of this information is in the book, by the way, but this is helping us to let you understand because you're working. You're going to wonder because you heard or seen and it's Canon too. How do these two add up? And I'm going to tell you, Clearly, the antediluvian was insane. Right. Is what it comes down to. I've heard many people debate that he was sane, and that's that's not a sane act. And why? This book, his manuscripts detail a process called apotheosis, where he diabolizes God. Right. We learned it from the first one. Right. That's what he's about. Right. Now, you're poor Ambergino Giovanni. Right. But here's the other thing that they try to establish in here that he had this material worked out so that he could eventually become as God himself. But Cappadocius was a pacifist, right? So it's kind of like if you if you were a, a neutral country in World War II, but you just happened to also have a bunch of atomic bombs. Like, yeah, just, you just we, do. We developed them, right, in our own time, but we're not going to use them. You know, we're Switzerland now, but... Also, we've got a bunch of nukes, just in case I happen to, like, need to diabolize God. Weird, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's odd. All right, so he's eight. Crazy guy's eight. Right. And But I would uh, argue that so is a good old uh, Augustus. Mm-hmm. A bit touched. Well, yeah, and as we find out with all of those different, there's a couple of different stories in the canon of Vampire the Masquerade with the Tremere, yep. with the Giovanni, with these clans of usurpers who, who quote-unquote, destroy their founder, yeah, but also no. Right. You know, kind of, but not really. So to this book, it tells you the saga of Ambergino running around. Now, here's the scary part. Your players, who were just embraced 200 years ago, right. who only get 30 freebies, right, now have to hunt down a fifth generation Methuselah 
looking for these pages and you're tasked by the founders, the inner circle right. of the Camarilla to get them first. Yeah. It, so the, the, the point thing too, like, okay, uh, you've, you've been doing two centuries worth of, of gameplay, which you, you haven't. I mean, let's be frank. Yep. If you're just following along here, uh, you've been a vampire for two centuries. You you might as well be powerful Ancilla at this point, but you've gotten thirty XP for the for the downtime. Only thirty for giggles. Open up the True Handbook if you've been following along and purchasing, like all of you should. And you open up the True Handbook, which by the way I hate, but you open it up <laughs> to give an age background that one can take and the example amount of freebies you should get based on the years active. Right. You get way more than 30 freebies. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's a small gripe, whatever. It's Well, it's power level, because if right. I'm chasing a 5th gen Methuselah... No, I, I, and, I, and I agree with you. You know, I'll totally agree with you on this. To me, it sets a very odd precedent. Like, it, it, you're, you're embroiled in this story where you have these, these ancient founders of the Camarilla. You have these ancient, you know, founders of the Giovanni clan... Uh, you know, you have all of these characters that are like super important to the the just the overall story of Vampire the Masquerade, both in the Dark Ages and, and you know as far back as you can go. And you're like the the private investigators, you know, that were hired to you know track this stuff down. It's and, and let's not forget what's some of the pathing that Ambergina takes in this plot. It's oh yeah, but the fragments were missing. That one's allegedly it's written by Lilith. Mm -hmm. written by Lilith no big deal <laughs> right. once called the Eurysis fragments which yeah. is what the Giovanni wrote in regards to the manuscripts right. that they did collect somehow the founders scattered them right now this baffles me antediluvian how did you get it right you've been fleeing this guy if you could you've been wanting to kill him and if you could kill if you could sneak into his house and steal his most important documents you could have killed his ass right let's face it so so here's something I want to touch on right away right where this story loses me right from the frickin' beginning. Say what you want about this. Say what you want about the Chronicles and what's involved in it. But here's an example of why I don't like games that are, are linear or are, you know, out of a module. Or scripted. Right. So the year is, what is it? 1666. Right. It's February 13th, 1666. I'm going off of memory. I think that's what it says in I here. I think you're spot on, actually. Regardless of where your character is in the world, whatever you've been doing, you could be in this, the the colonies, you could be in France, you could be in freaking China. For whatever reason, you suddenly have the urge to travel to Rome. Okay, I get that. Yeah, you know, it's a summon. It doesn't matter what you do or how you get there. And it shouldn't even bother to be role-playing. No, exactly your point. You, you all arrive at the same time at this castle at this time on this day. And it writes it to where it says, you're summoned by the founders. And assuming that doesn't work, you're then beaten and abducted. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what. And to me, sure, I get the concept of starting a story all on the same, on the same you know, foundation. Everybody starts on the same footing. But give me some story. Why couldn't it be you receive a handmade letter written by Rafael de Corazon? Right. Requesting your presence to an important matter. And he honors your field of choice or whatever. He gives all due obeisance. You know, right. all due ass-kissery to convince you to come. And he does it politely. And the attendant there right. is to receive your answer. And if so, 
There's a, a carriage that awaits. There's money to take care of your holdings when right. you're gone. They promise to grant you services and standing. Just please come and attend. Right. Why would you say no? And then it puts on the characters to say yes or no. Mm -hmm. But if you do say no, then I agree you get your ass beat. Right. Sure. That, that sounds good. But to start off going, they hit you with presents. So hard. So hard that you have to come because we don't give a shit. Right. And so it's like, well, it's all the story writing of, it, it's lazy story writing is what it is. It doesn't even fit. Now, that I 100% is where they lost me yeah. to the exact yeah. spot. So, so I'm not done with my rant. Oh, shit. My I'm, bad. I'm not done with my rant. My so, bad. okay, that's how it starts. You get over that. Whatever. Okay, we all need a plot hammer to get you all together. You get to the castle. You get to the, to the manor, right? And there's a great fence around the manor. <laughs> well, hey, you know what? I'm tired of waiting and standing out here outside the gate. I'm going to hop the fence. No. When you hop the fence, you immediately fall asleep. Why? Because there's a Tremere ritual that you've never heard of that we're just going to write in as like a plot hook, right? You haven't heard of a uh, player goes to sleep over the fence ritual? Right. It's it, it. They call it, it's an inversion of wake with the evening's freshness or wake with the dawning's freshness. Oh. Right, oh. right, right, right. Okay. Well, you know, my character jumped over the fence because he's tired of waiting. So then Bob's character's like, well, fuck it. I'm going to jump over the fence too and see what happens because maybe there's only once that's going to happen. No. There's two perimeters of the ritual around the the castle. Really, who writes it, this? I call it ritual of ignore the player's freedom. Right, right. It's, and then, and then, when you wake up, you'll already be at the next scene, and people will be chastising you and scolding you. Why not just be at the next scene? Yeah, right. All right. So that's that's silly too, right? Um, but you could get over that. Even you know, like ah, oh, okay, Nate. I see what you did there. You you storyteller rapscallion. I see what you did there. All right, cool. Nobody can jump over the fence. We get it. So then you go in, right? And and the retainers, there are multitudes of retainers at the Venture Castle. And they take you into a room and they move the carpeting aside. And then they pull a trap door from the floor. And that's cool, right? I've described that. It's a little sneaky thing. But then we take you down into a maze that, like, the way it's described to me is like an Escher painting. It's like, <laughs> you you must follow the ghouls. You can do nothing to, to mark your exit, to mark your passage. All of the ghouls mess with you. And... If you're one of the spooky ones that manages to get away because there's no way you could follow this path, you end up in these catacombs that are full of wraiths who annoy the shit out of you. And then no matter what you do, one of the ghouls will come and escort you back. And I was like, man, this is really written like a video game. This is really written. And so you go through this maze and you finally make your way to where the founders are all huddled around waiting for you in a dark cave. Let's not forget. You were asked to be here. Right. The whole point, we need to speak with you. Right. Why not? Don't tell me the story. Make me there. Right. You know, tell me the story. Don't make me there is what I mean, meant to say. Just be like, cool. You were summoned. Please wait in the parlor. Well, right. fuck that. I'm going to work around. What storyteller can't describe what opulence the founders have? What dangerous guardians they must have? And, and, and But also, why would they go to such lengths to just like hide in this weird fucked up haunted crypt dungeon crawl right exactly call it what it is i'll do it sorry fans of dnd it's a dungeon crawl right that they threw in to appease that audience to draw more in i know that's why they did it but it's pointless it's pointless because it's plot hammered right you know it's like it's garbage right like, you don't need that so that is where that's the that's the end of my rant that's where immediately it lost me 
So let's go to the story other than that. And then, and then here's the part that bothered me, right? Mm -hmm. Ambrogino goes to London. You ignore the fact that Hardestat at this time is on the throne. He's kicking rocks in London. Or not Hardestat, excuse me, Mithras. He's there and his legacy is there. That's there. They know they're going to be writing about this. Right. Because uh, Queen Anne has yet to be on the throne from what? Right. No, she, she doesn't. She's Seneschal, though. Right. She's there. At the very least, you can honor the material you have and you know is coming out. Right. Like, this is this is just like, like Black Dog said, fuck what we're writing. Well, and I think that really a, a problem is that, that for as powerful and as legendary as Mithras is, and for as many of these little these little uh, books, like, just traipse through London, they don't ever, like, they don't do any benefit to London as a giant Camarilla stronghold. They don't have to define the city of London, but at least give a paragraph stating Ambrogino goes to London and Mithras doesn't give a fuck that he's fifth gen. Mm -hmm. Not a wit. You don't go to a guy they've written cult armies about and the linchpin powerhouse behind the Ventru clan and decide you're going to talk to the one person who speaks Chaldean who's in there, which is why Ambergino's there, is to tr you know, have something translated. And okay, he's here. What prince doesn't make you owe him a favor? Right. You have to honor hospitality or your dog meat. But then it says, don't worry, as the players arrive, oh man, they butt heads with someone else looking for the manuscript. Some obscure set-eyed badass who's an up-and-comer, and he's in the mix, and oh, does he muddy the waters. Right. But don't forget, the players just miss Ambrogino as he now goes to another place right. in the world. Right, well, and also, after we leave the founders, this is this is an interesting tidbit that we that we left out. We gotta go to this library, right? Well, anyways, you go to, you go to town, right? As you would yep. in any dungeon crawl, and there are various points in town where you can go and investigate and get clues, and... It's kind of like, you know, at this point, we're, we're essentially being told, whatever you do, they're going to get all these, these clues. So touch upon all these locations. Uh, so you go to a bookstore, right? And you talk to a guy and you're like, hey, I, I'm looking into these books. And he's like, meh, go fuck yourself. Unless you use some powers on him, right? Basically, right. it says anything that you do, he's going to tell you to, to piss up a rope, to go kick rocks until you use some powers on him. If you don't use the powers on him, well, you don't get anything and you leave behind those clues. That's your bad. Sorry. But if you use some powers on him, awesome. And he'll tell you A, B, and C. So you need to go investigate this, that, and the other. And then when you leave, the wraiths come and they kill the man. And I'm like, why? Okay. So also, yeah, why do they kill the guy? But also, why didn't you fucking uh, use the wraiths to do something to the vampires who were searching after you? Uh, I don't get it. Uh, and, and again, these wraiths are sort of, they're, they're left around. They're sort of thrown into the mix, but they're totally just an annoyance. There's no real danger there. To me, it makes the Giovanni's ability to manipulate and force the dead to do things like comical, right? It, it, it's like a, it's like a circus sideshow act. It's like a, a card trick or, a, you know, a sleight of hand maneuver. It's nothing. It's not, Oh, he killed the printer. Great. Okay. Right. Well, like, we appreciate it's terrible it. that you smashed the printer, but also I'm still a vampire, so go fuck yourself. And and the whole thing at its core, like the review is a little, it is negative, but the the fact is, is that it's negative because up to this point, they want to tell some canon things that you could live through, right? How right. to tell a story when something canon happens, and to have your players be a part of it, and they have to give you a way that anybody, like 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 I've always been taught, you know, when you're teaching someone, treat them as if they're fifth graders. 
Right. You know, from the ground up, you got to show them everything and give them examples of how to do it. I'll give them that out. They didn't write this for aficionados. They wrote it to just say one thing. The, the Giovanni didn't automatically get the how to become, uh, they, they didn't get the rules to become God. There yeah. wasn't anything to say to get apotheosis, but Augustus definitely wanted it. And hence he sent Regino out. And ultimately, and I don't care if it ruins it, he doesn't get it. It's canon anyway. You get the book, you're going to read it. You know, because these powerful papers burn. That's the part that threw me worse than anything. Mm-hmm. Than anything at all. Is that this, because you got to know that like uh, the Sargon fragments, right? Were chiseled on stone. Right. However, Eurysius fragments are all paper. Burnable, destructible paper. But where are the materials they got the knowledge from? That was my curiosity. Right. What crypts did you pull it from? Were these etchings? No. Nine times out of ten, they tell you, no, they have those. Those, those, those fragments are actual stone, and they sit somewhere, but they give no mention as to where those are at. It's just, this is what the Cappadocians had. I was like, okay, well, logical deduction, the Cappadocians studied death. We can assume some crypt, some cave, some part of the world is where they pulled this out of. Why not just follow that up? Right. No vampire, like I, immortal, Bob, immortal, had the thought, go to the source. But you, antediluvian, conniver, rich guy, do whatever you want, snap right. your finger. You couldn't think, hey, Ambergino, talk to the dead, figure out what crypt this stuff is in, make mm-hmm. the deals, man, make them do it, and then go get it. Right. What do I need this book for? Like, what's the point? Right. Like, why Why am I looking right. for papers? The, the book came from somewhere, and that doesn't seem to be an importance at all. So, plot holes aside, the, 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 the next... The next thing that I really have a problem with this book uh, <laughs> on, um, and I know some people are probably like, hey, why are you so negative? You know I what grinds my gears? I love Blood and Fire. I love the Giovanni Chronicles. Why are you so negative? Well, because reading this book is is like reading a fictional tale that was written in, like incorrectly. It was written from the incorrect perspective. To me, I would have gotten more out of this book if it had been written in the correct third person as a novel agreed because it's basically what it is it's it's not written like sure there are definitely like here is a scene and here is a scene and here is a scene and here is a scene but they're not written in a very uh a very appropriate manner for a storyteller to run them as a game it makes you a director is what it does and i guess that's probably why we give it a negative review right now is the fact that you can't enjoy anything once a director format, it's like an, it's like dinner theater. Yeah. And we're all going to take a role and we're going to go and do this. And it's the wrong message. Right. Cause it's a, there's an integrity to the way you should right. write these books that they do hold on majority yeah. of their material. Yeah. But there's some of them, and this is another one of them where it's like, I don't know what got a hold of it. I don't know what bug went the wrong direction, but it's like, well, how did you morally sell this and go, Oh, it's a worthwhile book. Yeah, you know, I I feel like um you know they they probably looked at it and went yeah you know this has all the stuff that we wanted to touch on but so in the in the motif of the dinner theater I felt like the Last Supper was was something that could have been ran like you know a dinner theater LARP thing you know you, they have those like events at hotels and like the old haunted mansions where you all come in costume and it's like the murder mystery like clue like who done it who did it. You know, who's responsible for the murder? And they're kind of cheesy and campy, but they could probably be a lot of fun, too. You know, it's, it's a fun little 
get together, you know, you get your packet of information and this is the knowledge you, you know, and, and, you know, Tom gets his packet of knowledge and, and Sarah gets her packet of knowledge and you all try to unravel the mystery. I felt that Giovanni Chronicles one definitely could have been that, right? right? You could have ran the game that way and it would have been very fun and very entertaining. However, this book is like a globe trotting event. So it doesn't even have that value it doesn't it couldn't even be presented in that way the element of one locale that we could dress up and use it to right. be something we can live act through this right. is meant for a tabletop because of all the globe trotting right and how do you portray all those characters but by the way you're ignoring the areas you're going into right and 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 also there's very little opportunity for actual role play because the majority of this is storytelling in the sense that i am now reciting a story to you would you like to do A or B? Well, it doesn't really matter because this is going to happen anyways. So it, 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 to me, it's, it's very linear in its structure with small points of sort of nonlinear exploration, but it's disguised as nonlinear because it's also still linear. Right. It's still controlling it. Right. And, and it's oppressively long. It's oppressively long and it doesn't really, I mean, I'm sure that there are storytellers out there who are like, Hey, I, I have no problem unraveling this and presenting it to my players and making a really great, uh, you know, maybe month and a half or two month long chronicle. Could you do that? Sure. Sure. I personally don't have the heart for it. I will be, it will be the laziest storytelling I've ever done. Cause it's written for you to be lazy and it is the most unimaginative like i don't give a shit about my players is what it says now i have to lie to them and pretend that i made the material myself so that's why i know it so well and then i have to lie to them again and tell them oh yeah you're super important when really you're not because i don't this is written where i don't care what your background was right this is what's going to happen you're just witnesses what this is it's like having an audience and you're reading a book right exactly to them out loud is what it is that's that's definitely how it feels to me now those are some critical uh, critical observations about this book. What's good? Easy enough, I will tell you. They still have all the founders in there again. They do have them listed, so you have them. I do like the fact that there is, or, you know, so you're not jumping from one book to the other. It's all in one spot. I do like the fact they mentioned, you know, that there were more important ancient documents for the Nodis out there than just uh, the Book of Nod. You know, Eurus's fragments are interesting. One should get a hold of them. Uh, Clan Giovanni's Aftermath of what they did and how they weren't just a solid clan on the up and up. Mm -hmm. There were still important things to do and they were still at war. Uh, a shadow war to be sure, but they were not with the founders right. at this point. And that's what we're building up to, right? We're cementing to how the hell did Giovanni win a stalemate to where they're just cool. And again, that's what they're doing. But I feel that these are the points we want to hit and get out there as canon. And here's the interesting thing is you can tell players, but we're making it to where they can't alter it. Right. Because this is canon. And it's like they learned that lesson from this, I guarantee it, and just said, here's canon, here's what happens, do whatever you want. With right. It. I feel like if they wanted to take this book, and, and uh, you know, there's more to come, but if they wanted to take this book and they wanted to present it as a module for you and your characters to explore these uh, early formative years of both Clan Giovanni and the, uh, you know, early years of the Camarilla, they should have made this book about the size of the book Dust to Dust. If you're familiar with Dust to Dust, it's one of the first V20 books that came out. It's kind of like the reintroduction to 
Gary. It's one of the first stories, right? That and they, and and it's presented Gary, Indiana. right. Gary, Indiana. Gary, Indiana. There's a there's a long tradition. The first story for first edition came out of Gary, Indiana, the the first V20. And uh, from what I understand, they've referenced Gary, Indiana and the playtests for V5. Awesome. So the dust to dust book, it's like 65 pages, right? It tells you here's the major events. Here's the major things. And here's the possible outcomes, right? 65 pages, 60 pages, 50 pages, because you as a storyteller should be telling the tale. You should be taking them through the process. This to me, like you said, it's like reading half a novel to them and them just going, yes, yes, yes. I, I also appreciate this. Don't I don't have any real outcome. Right. Storytelling. Right. Didn't I do amazing? Didn't I take all of this stuff that was that was written for me and didn't I present it to you well? And you know what? I, I just I can't get behind it. And I can hear you. We didn't wake up on the wrong side of the bed bad. It's just when we read books like this. We want to hammer that home. Because a lot of our listeners take it as, uh, well, take it right on the chin and saying that this is how it is. And we didn't want to come out here and be fake. It's a review. They're opinionated. Right. And in our opinion, uh, this book is something where if you do have and you do choose to run the Giovanni Chronicles, look at the canon points. I told Nate, I challenge you to get past the first six pages. Because <laughs> it's the last thing is the first one, right? The Last Supper. Six pages, you know the entire plot. Right. To me, take the first six pages, keep the stats for the founders and, and the main characters, Ignore the rest of it. Right. Know what important events happen and then portray your story accordingly. And you can make this a valuable book because of that. But you're going to have to sift through the BS right. to, to see, you know, basically weed from the shaft. That's what you got to right. do. And, and just in case you have some difficulty telling a linear story, you can turn to page 111 and you can read the section called Hand of Fate, a.k.a. Plot Hammer. And with that, we can take all four copies of this book and we can use them to light the fucking grill up. Yes. To to me, that's. I'm sorry. I know we've been we've been ruthless occasionally, right? We do reviews from our perspective based on on our experience and our our ability that we've uh, we've harvested over many years running this game. And I think that this this book is a miss. This book is. I'll be frank. I think it's a piece of shit. I think it's a it's a piece of shit. I don't I don't think it's worth buying. If you want to know the full tale, great. Pick it up. But I don't think it does the Giovanni any favors. I don't think it does a Camarilla any favors, and I don't think it does your players any favors. If I tell you that Augustus Giovanni, the Alvarez Cappadocius, you're like, oh yeah, that's what he did. It must have been horrific and wow, I, epic. Okay. Now that we got that out of the way, uh, I bet the founders wanted to stop that from happening. Yeah, yeah they probably did. Yeah. Like, okay. Well, uh the, he's still He's a new antediluvian, but he diabolizes way there. The founders want him dead. Right. Diabolizes bad. Yeah, Bob, you're right. Yeah, I bet he had some way of becoming more powerful, and he had to go for it. Yeah, you're probably right. I bet he's going to try to do that apotheosis that he discovered Cappadocius was trying to do. Yeah, yeah. Didn't he have all the books and writing? I don't know if he did. Is it important to tell that tale? Yeah, Bob, probably is. Cool. Then I'm going to take those important points and make a chronicle where um, we're going to go through cities and make interesting characters and play a game. Right. Run a game where you matter and choices matter, and that's that's the tale. Right. Where you have an effect on the outcome. And that's there. But I, w- I would ignore everything else, and, and thus that's why the books are irrelevant. Because right. that canon is all available online. It tells you, I mean, granted, to be fair, a lot of this is available, you can read online, but the synopsis is there. But I was told, I was told a bill of goods. There were so many people when this Giovanni Chronicles came out and told me, there's amazing shit in there. You got to read it. It's so cool. The 
Oh, the way they write Augustus. Is, no. No. No, they don't. The way that they write the founders, uh, they make them seem like annoying, petty. Insepid. Uh, right. It, there's there's no substance there. No. However, that's out of, that's out of Black Dog. Right. This, the, these books, those same founders are written beautifully out of Children of the Inquisition, which came first. Writes about Raphael de Corazon. That guy's amazing. Right. He's amazing and valid, and you could see him uniting with with his with word and deed right and the reasons for wanting to protect the but masquerade the, the way that these these characters are presented in here they're presented as like these sort of clan stereotypes there's nothing there's nothing about them that if i were a player in that very first scene where i interact with them there's nothing about me that would make me go i respect you i respect what you've been through i respect what you've done to me they're like side quest bosses if you disobey me, we'll do things to you. Does that need to be said? Right. Right? I'm I'm talking to who? Hardestet. The Hardestet? Yes. Right. Leads the inner circle. Yeah. Yes. Well, what would you like, Lord Hardestet? Right. Oh, well, I am asking you. Please. We called you here. Mm -hmm. There is a matter that disturbs us. We think you have the talent and the means to do it. We will give you assistance in this matter. Right. And I can promise you... You will be in my favor if you do this. Mm -hmm. The only fucking answer is, yes, my lord, it'll be handled. Right. And that's it. Because if your player is stupid enough to be in that room with all that... By the way, the founders are supposed to be a myth in the Camarilla. <laughs> right. Even now, right. they don't exist. Right. Who know? Oh, you have to be a prince to even know there might be an upper echelon. And you know there's an upper echelon because there's Jessica. Someone had to appoint right. them. No, nah, man, we just had to get summoned to walk down into the M.C. Escher painting and uh, and, and hang out with them in some weird <laughs> crypt and <laughs> and and for them to pettily go. Well, I was I was uh, those were weird years when I thought about weird having years. you killed for no, you know, it's it's just like they're presented to me to me. My eyes look at them and go, these are terrible. Do what I say or death is certain. Why are you raising your hand? Well, sir, um, you could just kill me anyway. Right. So that's not really a threat. Oh, and also, it, right. Also, if you had the power enough to summon me from from Plymouth Rock, where I'd been setting up shop, you know, <laughs> um, and somehow I managed to charter a boat and take my ass back across the sea and then walk my funky ass in a cart all the way back to Rome, I think I get it. Here's a unique twist, because it says it doesn't matter. Oh man, it was weird. I was just in a blood ceremony getting uh, my bloodbath anointed to be the new Archbishop of uh, Montreal. That's interesting. I'm here now. That's cool. Um, you want me to chase down some Methuselah? I'm just making sure that's, that's correct. Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah, sure. I'll take care of that. Right as rain. Really? Yeah. Uh, but don't worry, there's plot hammers for this Archbishop that are built in. No, Jack. Me and the story turn to go round and round. Why? I'm an Archbishop of Montreal and I got packs. It's called a wild hunt. We get an elder snack. Any of you mm -hmm. want to eat Ambergino Giovanni? Who's that? Right hand of Augustus. You mean the guy who did that thing? Yeah. Old man from around the way? Mm -hmm. We call him a running snacky treat. Right. It's a done deal. We got this. By the way, when it's done, they didn't wipe my memory of where they're at. Right. But this, this is why this is why that neither of us uh, enjoy modular storytelling. This That's is, just not thought of. This is, you know, and, and I've gone through it. I've read... A vast majority of these modules, you know, I mentioned dust to dust, and even that one, it's you know, it's it's much less linear, but there's there's plot hammers, and you know what? If that's how you want to run your games, I guess it's not wrong. You know, we have plenty of books to prove it. Great, go ahead. I'll stand on what we said. 
we think it's wrong, but we're saying you're entitled right. to do it differently. You, but I will add this. This book is one good thing that I do enjoy that they do, and they did Last Supper as well. Time period detail. Right. Oh, right. there's a shit ton of detail. Where, where it here. tells you that if you're if you're gonna portray the Renaissance, remember what the Renaissance was like. And it gives you tons of tidbits of how to play those characters. They're worth it for that, or you can use wiki. They give you the option. Right. You can look up customs and whatnot right. for your character off of Wikipedia right. or spend the money to do it at this point. Let's, let's remember that at the time when this book came out, the internet was not really a very popular thing. It wasn't something that everybody had access to. It wasn't prevalent. And so there is a ton of detail and information in here. And these work these these authors worked their ass off. We all right? had AOL. Right. Well, I didn't have it. I, I had no internet until the 2000s. My parents still don't believe in computers because Stone Age. But anyways... Like, yeah, there's a great deal of detail in here, and I'll take nothing away from the authors for that. They work their asses off to find the detail, but to me, it just isn't a great representation of the... It's a rush project. Right. It's, And I feel we're tenderizing the horse corpse. Yeah. No, absolutely. So... <laughs> it's uh, if I had to remo- review this book in a numerical system, I'd say no fangs. Pull them out. You no. get no fangs out of two. No fangs. I like that. We give it retract your fangs. This is not the, <laughs> this is not the blood you wish. Uh, well, hey, you know, it's uh, it's not that long of a podcast, all things considered, for having reviewed two books. And that's why we piled them both into this review. Well done. Because they didn't need their own. Um, so next week, Clan Book with Sombra. Well, I don't even think I need to say anything. No, there's there's gasps from the audience for as terrible as this review and maybe you you even think, hey, this is one of your worst podcasts. Like you guys were just assholes and jerks, and you tore apart a book I love. And I I work for White Wolf. My whole career is built on this. Great. All right, I appreciate that. Yeah, well, you should have paid attention to the author of the clan book that we're about to review next week, because that guy had it right, Jack. And uh, <laughs> we'll be we'll be telling you all about it. <laughs> Alrighty. Well, let's not beat the horse any deader, because it is now Chuck. I am Nathan. <laughs> I'm Bob. And this has been 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade, a retrospective. No more.